Hello, I'm Donna Edda, and this is The Interested Podcast, a show that shares our collective wisdom to inspire health, love, and personal growth. Linda Moana is a holistic love and sexuality coach. She guides women to reclaim their sexuality. Linda was a successful wealth manager at a major international bank for over 25 years. Now, despite having it all, she felt something was missing. The dynamic with her husband at the time was like a business relationship. She was numb, disconnected, and resentful. In this conversation, we explore Linda's personal awakening journey and how she is now living in her authentic truth, experiencing her richest and juiciest self ever. Without further ado, here is Linda Moana. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Donna. It's really, really my pleasure. Can you tell us about your upbringing? Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Hawaii. My parents were immigrants from China. So I grew up um, in a Western world with Asian values. Because my mother uh, was in the war, in World War II, so she adopted herself to become a very strong woman, um, where by hook or by crook, Mm. anything will be done (laughs) that she wants done. So I grew up in a controlling environment. It's all for my good, I understand that. Yet, that created me to not have a sense of myself. And with that, I was a very shy person because I didn't really have a view um, because there was a lot of conflict within myself. What kind of conflicts were there? Let's say I wanted to be wild and run around, but that's not proper for So you had girl. those feelings growing up and yes. you were not allowed. Yes, I mean, um, whatever it was, I felt quite repressed in terms of what I wanted to do. So I grew up very shy, and actually I was really afraid of other girls. Um, and I went to all-girls school. So I was Why really were you afraid of other girls? Because I really didn't have a sense of self, and I was really just following people. And it was easy to be swayed by others, and just being really shy and not having presence you know, makes one fearful as well as um, people can't figure me out either. What was your first memory of being suppressed? Like you wanted to do something and your parents would not allow it. For me, my memory only um, for that only came up when I became a teenager. So you don't remember the stuff early on? I don't remember very clearly. I was actually a very good girl. I was very obedient, um, but just the fact that, now looking back, just the fact that I was so shy and um, really was a follower, I never dared to lead. I was like the wallflower at the dance, you know, that type of person. Really no sense of self. So you didn't challenge your parents, you never got into I trouble. I challenged them when I was a teenager, or I rebelled when I was a teenager. So I felt like I was getting my sense of self when I was with boys because they seemed to be appreciating me and easier to speak to. Over time, I learned that I could get love from boys. 
and in, one, in some ways, that's how it, I began to give away my sexuality to men, because I was looking for love and acceptance. And you got that from sex. Yes, yeah, I got that from boys when I gave, you know, and I also gave sex, and it was a f sort of like fair trade in my mind. At the same time, I also have to um, share that I realized that being shy doesn't help me, so I took it upon myself with a lot of self-help books to learn how to interact with people over the years, let's say from my late teens, you know, university days, I, w I found myself working really hard, asserting myself, going after what I wanted, very goal-oriented. And I have thrived in the corporate world. I have had a very successful number of careers. But I also discovered that that masculine energy was creating an imbalance in me. Actually, by striving, I also found that I had suffered from adrenal fatigue. Mm. So, you know, that imbalance on the energetic level showed up on a physical level uh, as adrenal fatigue. So luckily, it was discovered before uh, anything permanent, you know, any kind of permanent damage to my health. But this is the reason why I'm also here to reclaim my feminine reclaim my sexuality. How did you find out that you were suffering from adrenal fatigue? What, did you do annual blood work and you found out or it was a lot of symptoms that made you feel horrible and you're like, something is not right? How did you know something was wrong? Well, I was really tired, but I was also very driven. So in spite of my exhaustion, I was still going at it. It became the new normal for me. But I did go to see a functional medicine practitioner because these things, adrenal fatigue, may not show up in blood tests. Right. Yeah. So describe it to me. How did you keep you? You wake up, you're really tired. How do you I just get out of bed? I just woke up early and I just went. And I had goals in my, you know, goals. What am I going to do today? To-do list. Everything. I just did it. Did you have to down 10 cups of coffees? No, no, I didn't do any of that. Um, I did have a pretty good diet. I exercised. It's just that um, I wore myself out without really even realizing it. When you were saying that you were a rebel during high school mm. because of all the repression, and then there was a moment you decided, you know what, this is not, this is not serving me. What was that moment like? How did you know that this is not the person you want to be anymore and that you can be more than this? Yeah, actually, I've been bumbling along, you know, in university, getting through my coursework. I took um, science, chemistry and biology, not anything to do with people so much. Um, and then I landed a job as a chemist. It was fine, but I just felt like there was more, but I didn't know what. But one day, there was a new product launch, and I was invited to be the technician to show how the product worked. And there was a salesperson, this woman, who was you know, with the client and interacting with the client and doing the marketing pitch. And I said, I want her job. So I realized that there was a lot I needed to do to get there. 
So one was the education. Um, so I went and got a business degree. But really beyond that, it was really being comfortable with people because most of the time I was not comfortable with most people. So do you think that it was that quality in that woman that you saw you're like, I want that confidence. Ability yeah, to well, what I saw with her is, wow, it's so much fun and it seems so fulfilling to be able to interact with another human being. Well, in this case, it was a client and a salesperson's uh, relationship. But I could just feel that energy, and I realized that I really wanted to work with people. Can you describe a time in your life when you first experienced happiness through sexuality? Well, now. <laughs> this period Every of your life is the first time in your life? Yes, it is. I have embraced and now celebrate my sexuality, and it's so within me, it's integrated in me. It's given me a sense of, first of all, knowing myself and accepting and loving myself, and really all parts of myself, those parts that I may have rejected um, because they were not deemed to be positive by our society. You know, let's say being a bitch or being a slut. The thing about um, all self-love is that we do need to love and accept all parts of ourselves. And sexuality is part of ourself. And a lot of people, I believe, are either rejecting it or just not, or ignoring it. And how can you have self-love and wholeness if you do that? Well, we need love, love safety, and, and belonging. Yeah, Those are the key to, to our human experience. Love is so obvious, right? I mean, everyone, what is the most hashtagged word? It's love. We're all looking for unconditional love. Safety is also obvious because how can we really express ourselves and be ourselves if we don't have safety? And belonging is also a um, survival mechanism because if you think about animals in the wild when they're in herds or packs, and if there's one that is ostracized on his own, he doesn't belong, that means death. What compelled you to become a coach? So you know how it is, uh, what you end up teaching is what you need to learn the most. As I was sharing, I was uh, very successful in my corporate career. I would say in most aspects of my life, I was really successful, except when it came to relationships with the emotional stake. So that meaning my husband, my partner at the time, and even to some degree with my children, because you know there's a lot of emotional stake with children. Mm -hmm. So it's something I've been working on working on within myself for quite some time now. But sexuality was actually something that I put aside. You know, I worked on myself in terms of my triggers, but sexuality was something I myself ignored. And it was only after uh, my partner and I split up that I start really looking at my life. And I remember a really good friend of mine Caroline Rhodes, who told me while we were still together, 
sex is really important because we were actually in a sexless marriage. What is a sexless marriage? So defined as less than 10 times um, having sexual relations within a year. Right. So Caroline would tell me, sex is really important. And after we broke up, and I was really going through my life and seeing what I'm learning from this, you know, what do I need to do with myself moving forward? This just, her voice and her words kept popping in my mind. So I started to read books. One book I was reading was um, Christian Northrup, Goddesses Never Age, so with, which is also very important. It's a holistic book about well-being for a woman at any age. Within that, uh, she mentioned sexuality, and she recommended Layla Martin, who is my teacher. I found Layla through that book, and I enrolled in some of her c- courses using you know, Jade Egg as well as Obliss. And then she had the certification for sex, love, and relationship. And I knew, I just knew it in my heart that this was for me. So I'm certified as a sex, love, and relationship coach. I'm also certified as a JDA coach. And I'm looking to be certified as a relationship and a tantric sex coach by next year. Before I go into asking, what does it mean to be a jade egg coach? Because I think a lot of people don't even know what a jade egg is. Why do you think you put your sexuality aside during all those time? Time. Time is a factor, especially in a fast place, fast-paced place like Hong Kong. Having three children, it's so easy after the initial two years where sex is really great and passionate. When your partner is such a known factor, it's so easy to not prioritize sex anymore. What would you do differently during those times? So knowing what I know now, it's more than just sexuality, I think. It's also about relationship, because we're in a relationship together. I was very unconscious in my relationship, and he was as well. I mean, like most people, I would say, having that unconsciousness ends up that the partners have a hard time understanding each other, coming together to the same place, a lot of conflict, and hard to have the resolution for conflict. It shows up in the bedroom, yeah? It's very natural that if you have this undercurrent of conflict or imbalance of power, that it would show up in the bedroom, that no, you wouldn't have that appetite for sex and intimacy. So it's yeah. so easy for it to go on the wayside when the relationship itself is already on a shaky ground. What is a jade egg? I guess that is kind of related to self-care, right? Absolutely. So the jade egg comes from the Taoist tradition where there's this egg-shaped piece of jade that is used by women as a tangible tool to nurture her sexuality. So she uses that tool, this jade egg, for practices that help her connect more with her body more with her deeper self. As a result, learn to love herself more. The main thing that comes from this pra- these practices, women have said that they love themselves more. They love their bodies more. 
Really? The J-Date can do that? Because it makes sense when you talk about getting in touch with the body because... For those who don't know, you, you insert the jade egg mm. inside mm-hmm. your vagina mm-hmm. and you're supposed to contract the muscles. Is yeah, it there's more to that, like kegels. Yes. That's what kegels are for, you know, contract the muscles. I would compare the difference between kegels and jade egg practice as, say, stretching and yoga. Yoga is a much more broader practice. It's more holistic. It's more spiritual. So jade egg is similar because besides just contracting and releasing, and by the way, in Kegels, they really emphasize just more the contracting than the actual releasing, Mm. which could ironically cause more tension in the vagina, which could lead to some issues. For the jade egg, I teach women to use breath to move energy, because we're all energy bodies, moving the energy to the various parts of the bodies, using sound to release. And there are different flavors to jade egg. I have one flavor, which is power, which really helps not just with the physiological power, because if women like to, they can use weightlifting with their jade egg. So that's the physical power. But actually, that translates also to the emotional power and to that internal power that women can have and different practices would lend itself to the different flavors how would you describe your own self-care routine to nurture your own Mm. love and sexuality i do daily practices i don't necessarily always use the jade egg i use the jade egg uh, yet a lot of times i would do a lot of it is really my breath work breathing into my pelvic area moving that energy up the back of my spine to the crown and back down. I would do that kind of practices. You know, in terms of setting an intention is very important, I believe. How long would that last for? How long would you do it for? Yeah, it really varies. It could be 20 minutes. It could be an hour. So I just know that I like to incorporate it either right before bed, before sleeping, or right after I wake up. However, it doesn't mean that I don't do it during the day. I mean, if I feel like I need some grounding, I would do some grounding practices. Breathing, bone breathing. What is bone breathing? So it's uh, laying on the ground or the floor or even the bed and harnessing the Earth's energy. The Earth is the greatest recycler, right? It's harnessing the earth's energy into the bone, pressing it into the bone, releasing toxins or anything that doesn't serve back into the earth. Simple as that. Oh, that's really fascinating. And try it because it is a remarkable shift just by doing that. Oh, I just want to add that all these practices require a real sense of body sensation. So as you lie there, you're feeling how your body is supported by the floor. So this is really getting in touch with our body and our sensations. What are the benefits of having a healthy sexuality? Healthy sexuality creates a sense of aliveness and radiance and glow that is apparent. I mean, you can see when a woman is really healthy and vibrant. And you can see it coming from within her. 
by nurturing your sexuality, you're actually creating the hormones, you know, such as dopamine, opioids, you know, giving yourself pleasure will create these hormones. Um, and then oxytocin, you know, the bonding hormone, self-love. It creates this high vibration in the body, you know, like where I can choose, where I have the power, where I have the freedom. I can magnetize, I can attract rather than having to chase. I really feel like I'm, you know, balancing my feminine energy with my masculine energy. I feel connected to my higher self and my North Star. Yeah, I like what you said about creating a high vibration is mm. calib recalibrating ourselves. You know, sometimes mm. we might feel a bit off. We're all energy, right? Like yes. you said earlier on. It's so simple. You can just sit there with yourself and and recharge. You don't need to go to class. You don't need to pay someone to do it. Yeah, so what frequently comes up when people do that, you know, what you're um, describing is like meditation. And what frequently comes up is that our mind and thoughts would jump up distracting us and that's so common and um, people then get caught up in that or when we're taught to do meditation like okay when the thoughts come you we just accept them observe them and then let them go it's really hard for people to do that because you have conflict when you have conflict within yourself these thoughts come up and they distract you or even if you're saying well you know, you're scolding yourself that these thoughts are coming up or scolding yourself that you can't let them go. That creates more conflict within the body. It's a great concept to be able to sit and be able to accept all of that. You know, so yes, I notice that I am um, getting agitated with myself. Oh, so I accept that. Sit with the agitation. Sit with the emotions. We're not taught to be able to express our whole range of emotions. We're taught that we should be positive and happy rather than being sad and depressed. I mean, or anger. Anger is something that is so not acceptable in women. Like yeah. usually men would see angry women. Oh, you're, she's such a bitch. Yeah. But the thing is when we repress, what we repress is suppressed but it's there it's still there it doesn't get released being able to express these emotions with acceptance and loving those parts of ourselves really is the key because as you sit with them then over time as you keep accepting and loving over time they will dissipate really how long does it take well <laughs> There is some training to be done on that. It's really being able to observe and not judge. What is something that you've worked on yourself that you were able to, to accept and embrace <laughs> and no longer an issue? Let me tell you this story because I find that it's just recently happened to me. Okay, what I wanted to also share before that is that we all have our patterns that we're and usually they're so unconscious, we don't even know what we're having patterns. But these patterns actually sort of like keep a container in our life. So I, I see being able to consciously be aware of ourselves and our patterns are a way to break free from so many 
things that bound us. So I have a pattern of not putting up boundaries well. Like I told you before, mm. I gave away my sexuality to men because I wanted love and, ex- love and acceptance. So I don't, didn't have very strong boundaries. And I realized that it's very important to me. Now, I've been doing some online dating. I have had conversations and chat with different men and also some meetups. But frankly, I find that in Hong Kong, it's actually very sparse compared to my experience overseas. And I think it's very typical. Most women say that they don't meet any men in Hong Kong. I don't know why. So I have had a a sort of like a virtual relationship for a few months. When I realized that I wanted to have boundaries, like I want to make sure that um, we haven't met, but we're planning to meet in early 2020. Right. And so, but I put in boundaries and I felt like, um, like if he wasn't meeting my needs and also not even coming close to be able to communicate about that. So I finally, um, actually it was three strikes and out. And so when that, when I decided that and I closed my energy, it just opened the floodgates. And I had, I don't know how many men, but I had three dates in the past week. Wow. (laughs) I have uh, three, trying to schedule, like finding common time and three just starting to chat. You've shifted your vibration. It shifted completely. It was so obvious to me. I even had men that I was chatting with that sort of, you know, let's say a few months or a few weeks back that we never met, all of a sudden appearing, asking to meet. It was just, so it just shows that we're limited by some energy and everyone's different. Everyone has a different lesson to learn or something to expand. For me, it was really about boundaries, about and the boundaries is not about the man. It's really about me, like how I want to be treated and what my experience that I want. Oh, wow. I love that story. Oh, thank you. That's so cool. I know. And and you noticed the shift. It it's was real. so immediate because this happened eight days ago. And as soon as that made that conscious, you know, it's not like it was a negative oh, I don't want you. It was just sort of like, thank you, I'm moving on. There's a a video that Leila Martin made called Your Vagina is More Beautiful Than You Think. Mm. So beautiful. Did you watch it? Yes, I've watched it before. Do you want to talk about that a bit? So um, Leila made this video where the women were interviewed about how they felt about their vaginas. She's really talking about vulvas rather than the vagina because the vagina is an internal organ. But most people don't know what vulvas are, so vagina is what people accept. The women were feeling a little bit, you know, not sure or thinking ugly or just not comfortable with their bodies. Whereas their partner, when they took photographs of it and partner looking at it the partner was really most all of them were saying oh how beautiful or you know in other words the women were looking at their own anatomy with um, more critical eyes than their partners did 
So yeah, I, I remember one one of the ladies saw her that picture of herself and she was like, oh, it's a bit wrinkly, yeah. it's really saggy, it's really ugly. Yes. And she was using all those words. Yes. And then when they showed the husband and they filmed the reaction, they, they filmed the husband, but the wife was in the back room watching the reaction and right. the husband was just saying, this is so beautiful, it's, it shows her strength yeah. and all yeah. these wonderful stories that comes with it. Right. That was really amazing. Yes. Women, we can't even see our sexual parts. You know, we can't even see our vulvas unless we use a mirror. And so we're not familiar with our own sexual anatomy as we should be. And again, you know, this comes from conditioning. You know, we're not supposed to touch ourselves there. It's dirty to do so. Some people even have said your hand will fall off <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> I, that I heard you know, some friend has mentioned this is what their messaging was wow you know so it's very threatening you don't see it you don't pay so much attention to it you know mm. I can say that from my own experience I don't see my hamstrings I don't see my back muscles I don't see my triceps and those are the weak parts of my body versus the front of my body mm. and so that's something I'm working on so the same, you know, like if we don't see it, we tend to ignore it or not feel comfortable about it. There's the messaging and there's the actual anatomy and the fact that it's not, it's shameful to touch ourselves or it's shameful to, to look at ourselves there, you know, in our vulvas. Yeah, that way of thinking is really weird. I don't know where it started. Because I think in one of, in one of your writing, you mentioned new babies and fetus actually touch their own private parts yes, to, yes. to have pleasure. Yeah, they have shown fetuses masturbating. Babies do it, children do it. It's because uh, I think part of it is that we're fearful about it. You know, we're fearful that our child will not be accepted and not belong in society if they are like that, right? That's why we condition our children as society's um, narratives. So I would say that um, back to the video, women's sexuality is not as celebrated. Let's say you look at porn and you look at that anatomy and you think, well, you know, that's how it should be. And so that's why a lot of um, young girls are getting surgery to tuck their vulvas to look like in the porn. There's stigmas, you know, for instance, when women have their periods and, you know, moon cycles that, um, you know, it's dirty or it's that time of the month where I'm really grumpy and feeling yucky. And it's that kind of narrative rather than like, what is that process? It's a process of being fertile and to celebrate that. Instead, you know, we, we get this narrative of it being dirty or feeling not good about ourselves. And, you know, having marketing, all the different marketing, like, let's say, feminine hygiene. We need products to keep our parts clean. You know, our vagina is actually self-cleaning. But people don't see it that way. You know, back in the days in, in tribal times, I think, when women 
get their period mm. and they usually sync up they usually get around the same time when a group of women yes, live yes. together and it, it, it's usually around the actual moon yes you know? and so they have the a women's circle they celebrate they connect i want that i i, I want that narrative back yes so women are starting to do that one of my clients actually she told me how she felt about her uh, moon cycle and she told me how she used to wear the dirtiest underwear because she would soil it and now instead she bought some really beautiful underwear that she uses during her moon cycle and she's celebrating herself and you know her fertility and her sexuality oh wow i love yeah. that yeah okay let's talk about sexuality and menopause that is a big one for women so supposedly when women hit menopause, then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, well, definitely in the Western world, it's believed that. Actually, in the Eastern world, or even, you know, like the Taoists or the Chinese calls menopause. I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I heard, the second spring. So the belief in the, in the West is that menopause, you know, you don't, you're not fertile, can't create life anymore and and with that you know your hormones have are changing and so women are seeing that they're not their youthfulness is going their beauty is going and so they it's feeling like well sex is or in addition their vagina may be getting dry it may be painful you know so these things are happening changes in the body during menopause cause people to believe that sex life is over when in actuality the more sex you have the more your menopause the more you go through the menopause and beyond in a more vibrant alive and healthy way because having the sex keeps your organs healthy so you have better circulation you have the walls of your vagina are much more they're thicker and we're well, exercising those muscles yeah, right? exactly and by the way that's what the jade egg does too so for women with age i believe that it comes with this fierceness the sexual fierceness as well as this um uninhibited this power and actually a sense of wildness you know wild is actually something so repressed and shamed and abused mm. in women because it is it creates a lot of fear in men but wild that wild abandon when you really when you have um, when you're fully surrendered in your orgasmic state that wildness does come up yes i think my husband would really love that wildness in me <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so being able to, at this age, you know, women usually don't care so much about what others think. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. They're way more confident. Yeah, so confident, so in their power. So really, lots of women, um, you know, we can, we can have sex in our 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, as long as we're healthy. So how are you tapping into your own wildness? Oh, I love being wild. This is a quality that, has been something I've was very repressed it's really being in nature it's really being free if I can I would go naked in at the beach 
um, being in the ocean, being like an animal, you know, that mm. impulsiveness, that freedom of movement, sounding, um, making all kinds of sounds. <laughs> is like just is roaring really like a lion? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Try so it. For those, so for those who are really scared of being wild and being in mm. touch with that, side of themselves they should just go out and what would be a suggestion yeah just try let's in hong kong you can go hiking and you can still be pretty much alone i've been in the hills but then go hiking naked (laughs) no i wouldn't suggest that if you ever find yourself alone or you know even if there's somebody on the bottom of the hill just try sounding just try screaming you know, or saying something really loud, and be, and you'll be surprised how freeing that is. Actually, it's interesting because I think there's a cultural stigma with sounding as well. I was at the Happy Valley playground, and this man was walking around singing on top of his lungs, laughing and moving his body, yeah. and everyone thought he was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they were all taking 10 steps back. Yeah. So there's this, yeah, I don't know, this fear towards that. And he was actually singing. Can you imagine if you're just making screams or animal sounds or that kind of things? People would be really frightened. We're so desensitized to our instinct. Yeah, to our primal. Wow. Sounding, I like that. And so how, how often do you do that? How often do you rewild yourself? Any chance you get? I think we can just do it in baby steps and even little. So for instance, going to the beach is one of my favorite activities. And even if I'm not naked, you know, just being in touch with feeling. The, the difference is I actually am conscious of the feeling how I actually, how, what is my body sensations in this water? What is this, um, my body sensation with the sun on my face, on my skin, really being embodied in nature makes a big difference than, oh, I'm going swimming. I'm in the water, I'm swimming. Right, yeah, I totally hear you. The other thing that's so important that we um, forget to do is breathing. It's being taught in meditation. It's being taught in yoga. Over and over, everywhere, breath is so important. So consciously breathing. Breathing is like the first step in moving the energy within our bodies. I would say breathing into your sexual organs. So you're conscious of them, and you start to feel the sensations. Breathing into your breasts as a woman. As a man, breathing into your penis and testicles and feeling what sensations come up. And, you know, again, what comes up could be thoughts. It could be emotions. It's not always pleasant because your the body has a priority of what needs to be released. So the body is um, interesting in the sense that all memories, all experiences, all wounding is stored in the body. Our minds have chosen to forget a lot of it, but everything's in the body. And so when we are able to connect with our body and things come up, these are actual indications of healing, of what 
needs to be healed or what can be healed. You know, this is what our body prioritizes for our healing. Can you share a story of someone who's made a positive shift in their lives through examining this love and sexuality or they unravel this bigger thing? What really comes to my mind may not be exactly what you're looking for, but I really want to share this story of um, a client who's experienced a lot of repression in her life, um, really because of culture. So she has a lot of anger and a lot of sadness and, and just a lot of negative emotion built up within her because that's her only way to protect herself. So I did a, I led her through a practice where, are you familiar with the goddess Kali? No. In the Indian culture. What is that? Which is the goddess of destruction and rebirth. So I took her through a process where she could destroy anything that she was angry about or anything she had rage about. She could destroy that. And um, through that process, after destroying, it could be anything. It could be, you know, just let's say how her family didn't allow her to speak up or anything such as that. After that, when it was when she felt complete, I was able to, you know, I led her through a rebirth, a rebirth of herself. And she told me that after doing that, she felt so much of a release. In addition, she went out and people noticed the change in her. And, you know, like her whole energy had shifted. You know, she looked different. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to do this Kali exercise. It's just what was just perfect for her at the time. Yeah, that was blocking her. Yes. And I have a story about myself, too. Oh, please do tell. Because I've been doing these practices for years now. As I mentioned before, I was really in my masculine energy during all the time in corporate work. I was at this place, and I wanted to grab... um, you know that K-roll? I, re- I wanted to grab a quick lunch. And it was really early, though, because I had an um, appointment, and I wanted to have it before the appointment. And so I asked the guy if you know they were open, and they did a K-roll for me. And when he left, and I thanked him for that, and he goes, oh, you have the most amazing aura. <laughs> and that was like... Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, wow, that was so great. So you know? random. Who would have thought you'd receive so that random, kind of compliment yeah. at a K-roll place? Yeah. I thought he was going to say, you have an amazing day, because I would say, you too. Here's <laughs> your aura. And I was like, wow. You know? And I feel like, I feel that um, really when we embody our these practices that make us alive and... You know, when we're celebrating who we are and celebrating all of us and really the self-love, it comes through. It definitely comes through. Sometimes it's so hard, though, I mean, to celebrate. Like, if there's something that you really don't like, how can you celebrate it? One of the ways we do that is through accessing our primal brain. Because when you say, oh, I don't like this, you know, it's... Um, you're saying it on the cortical level and changes in the cortical level even if you do something to make that change are not uh, long lasting we really need to get to the root the subconscious 
And when we understand where that part of us came from, how did that part of us arise, a lot of times that really is the key to the shift. Can you give an example of someone who really didn't like a part of themselves? And then how do you get to that primal? Oh, to get to the primal, again, it is through the body sensations. Everything is in the body. So when I coach clients, we go through the body. What is the five senses? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling as in touching, tasting, and smelling? And to scan the body for blockages, resistance. You know, and that's where the key is because these are pieces of our body-mind that holds the key to these blockages. So what would be the thinking process, say, for example, if I was to say, I don't like my tummy? Yeah. So okay. Oh, I have a client who's... Okay, let me go through that one. That's a case study for the client who didn't like her tummy. Uh, she said she, from childhood, she always had a tummy. We went through this integration process. This, um, it's an adventure where we're exploring. So she felt the sensation, and we went into that sensation. I, I guided her in there. And so with that, memories start to come up. So with the sensation and being in it, memories start to come up. And her memory was because she was adopted or she was um, given away to another family member. So her memory came up that was, you know, chaos in her belly she felt this instability something very abrupt so she so she was like one year old but she in her body she remembers all of that not knowing really what was happening wow so when you put it together that you know because it's holding it safe for her there when she understands that, then she's more apt to love her belly, right? She understands it's our bodies are, if we're not growing, we're protecting. When there's a threat, we protect. Yes. And so protection shows up as so many so-called negative things. So when she accepted her belly and embraced those emotions, what changed? So I don't know if her belly has gotten smaller yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that was but really my question. Did, did that time well, go away? <laughs> well, I think it does take time sometimes uh, because she has so many years of having that condition. But she did come to a deeper understanding of herself and her belly and, you know, the love for herself. Yeah, that love and acceptance. And so, so we need to go to our unconscious brain, which is called the primal brain, in order to create the shifts that we want. So this leads me to the next question. How is love and sexuality healing? Ah, so do you think that meditation is healing? Yes. Yes, okay. So my teacher, Leila Martin, uh, quotes that sex is the active form of meditation. And meditation is the still form of sex. 
Why? Why is that? Because in both cases, you need to be fully present. And you're meeting all parts of yourself. You're breathing consciously. You don't have judgment on yourself. And you're really being embodied. And what happens then is, like we just shared, things in the unconscious start to bubble up. And as they bubble up, it's a release. It's a healing in itself. And then there's the other part, like when you start to experience the bliss and the joy, feeling one, you know, like when you're having sex and you're feeling one with your partner, just like in meditation, you're feeling one with the universe, with every being and everything. In sex, we have like the deepest desires and the greatest longings and the biggest fears. And these usually yeah. originate from childhood. Meeting yourself in your truth, you know, being vulnerable and being able to ask someone else to help meet our needs. It's all very healing. Yeah, I guess when you accept yourself and, and you're, like you said, embodying yourself, then your body is not protecting, it's not fighting. Right, right. And they can grow yes, and heal. Yes. The cells can do that part of the yes, job because yes. it can't do both at the same time, like yeah. you said. And there's also a physical aspect, um, which comes from the Taoist tradition. You know, it just says the soles of the feet are reflexology zones that correspond to organs in the body. So the vagina and the penis have reflexology zones that correspond to the organs in the body. In those ancient days when people were not feeling well and they have ailments and they go to the Taoist practitioner, you know, not only would he prescribe, let's say, herbs or whatever, he would also prescribe, or he or she, <laughs> I don't know, she would also prescribe sexual positions for the couple oh, wow. to practice in order to heal. It's like going to a physio, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, think of it. Massage is healing, right? Sex is like massage internally. Also, there's connection. So, for instance, our clitoris in women are connected to our pineal gland, which is, you know, the gland for circadian rhythms. And, and um, this is the gland between the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Or in spiritual terms, it's the third eye, you know, intuition, integrating of the re uh, right and left brain area. And the connection of the cervix is to the heart. Wow. This is in Taoist belief. You know, the Chinese um, have all these holistic The energy pathways. Yes, yes. Insects, you're generating hormones, you know, the dopamine, the opioids, the oxytocin. That's all good for the health. So definitely, I mean, there's a lot of healing that can go on. If you can rebrand love and sexuality... How would you do that? So I think the first step is to recognize that the desire, the urge, and the curiosity for sex is natural and healthy. I mean, we're talking about health, and we look at it from diet, from exercise, but we don't ever talk about it from our sexuality point of view. Sex is life. And, and even masturbation is a healthy thing. 
It's a healthy way to explore and learn about ourselves. And the pleasure, the pleasure with it, nature intended us to have pleasure. So somehow we've been conditioned to accept more pain rather than pleasure. I think we we definitely have a high tolerance of pain and we do not seek for pleasure. In general, yes. pleasure doesn't just fall on our lap, right? But yes, we don't seem to seek pleasure. But that's the opposite of what it should be and what simple free pleasure there is than sex. So, of course, sex has to be safe sex. There needs to be consent and boundaries set. So honoring the no means that the yes can be trusted. I mean, we have a lot of situations, you know, where these date rapes, where, you know, consent is really the issue. And I I think that this is something that people really, we need to get more clarity around. When women have the sexual agency that gives them more power and empowerment, that is really the way that we can address all this rapes, especially date rapes. So I think consent and boundaries are really important, and I found boundaries, my own my own issue is something that I needed to work on and um, so I that really resonates with me you know when we teach our children I think it's important to teach them about the beauty of sex but it's a safe safe way like having the birth control having the protection from STDs and mm. pregnancy I believe that you know in Europe they're much more liberated and much more open to talk about sex um, rather than in you know let's say in the Americas or in Asia also that sex is really about a true connection you know a holistic connection not just physical an emotion a connection between human beings so that would make people value that a lot more you know that connection and I'd like to have the mainstream realize that It's a gift that men are giving to women, firstly. You know, women are to receive this gift. And it will be reciprocated. But for men to to first give that... um, Why why do you think that is an important message? Going back to the differences in men and women, if men are not giving it as a gift to women, then they take it and then they're done easily and quickly you know if you give it to the woman first and then afterwards you know then you receive but some women might think i don't need a man to gift that to me and that's the thing you know we've been taught it's better to give than receive Uh, we've been taught so many notions about receiving it's a feminine energy to receive and to be receptive Mm -hmm. and it's a masculine energy for men to give All right, I'm going to wrap up this interview with a few rapid questions. What would you tell your 30-year-old self now? Everything's an inside job. So if I wanted to change myself, it's not really external. It's not like um, if I wanted to change my situation, it's not so much the external, but really myself, my triggers, my blocks. um, That's where my growth is. And the other thing is if I want to change the world, I changed myself. What is the most gifted or memorable book? So the book that I've been giving to my girlfriends in the past 
couple years is um, called Pussy, a Reclamation. And the author is Regina Thomas Hauer, if I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> She's also known more popular as Mama Gina. So her book is really about reclaiming our sexuality, our birthright. It's our, she calls it GPS, the great pussy in the sky. <laughs> um, it's really awakening ourselves, the power, the freedom, and also about the sisterhood circles where sisterhood is so important for us to n support each other, to nurture each other, and that generates feminine energy in itself. Yeah, that one is a big one for me. I'm definitely actively growing my sisterhood circle here in Hong Kong, and it's, it's really nurturing. Mm. What is the best lesson your parents taught you? So my parents taught me to be trustworthy, someone that people can trust. And, um, and that's something I've developed, and throughout my life I've been that way. And I realized, though, over, you know, just looking back now, that to be um, trustworthy actually means, because everything is a mirror, you know, now that I understand that. So that means that I need, I need to trust others. And I do really, I do trust others on a very fundamental level. And that has served me really well in my life, in my work. I've always been really safe trusting others and um, being trustworthy. But now when I look at it on an even deeper level, it's really about trusting myself, trusting my intuition, trusting what my body is telling me, you know, the, the sensations, or trusting like who am I? It might be different from the narrative, you know, of what is a respected and a valued, a good woman should be. It could be very different. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it is a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> and it's different for everyone. And it's different for everyone, yes. What is the one thing that people can start doing right now to cultivate happiness through love and sexuality? I think that being able to love and accept all the different parts of themselves is so important. You know, you could say, well, that's a great concept, but how do you do that? It's really being in your body. It's really feeling your body sensations. And it's really accepting that every part of you is there because when you're in childhood, you needed love, safety, and belonging. As long as you went along with that to have that, you know, like went along with, let's say, your family, in order to have the three, then sometimes that creates the body conflict. And to accept it, because that was your way of surviving. It's our way of surviving. Because we're really perfect at our core, and it's just with conditioning and a lot of unintended consequences that we are how we are. And so I would say that um, that's the first and foremost. Some actual things that people can do is really to breathe, like I mentioned, breathe into their pelvic areas, self-touch, feeling the sensation of your hands, let's say on your breasts, doing a breast massage, feeling the sensation of your hands on your breasts and your breasts, feeling your hands. Breast massage is, right, for women, it is, um, it's like the high leverage practice 
for self-love because our our breasts and our heart are in the same place and it's a simple practice that takes minutes to do Um, you do it every day if you want I can even have audios if you'd like to go with this interview on how to do the breast massage for men it would be the testicle massage which is the equivalent of the breast massage for women but in this case it's really about power you know, to be grounded in a man's power through his testicles. That's why they use the word balls, like ballsy, have balls, power. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, please do share those audio. I put it in the show notes on my website and people can access them. Yeah, so for men to be able to do that daily grounds him to his power. And um, How long would they need to do that? It's for? really quick. It's like less than five minutes a day. For each of them, during the practice, they can also men, you know, say three attributes that they'd like, what they want as a part of their intention. So women can say, you know, for instance, I want confidence. I want love. I want radiance. You know, so she can say the words confidence, 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 radiance, radiance, radiance. And for men, you know, whatever the qualities they want, it's trust, you know, they want to be trusted. Yes. They want to protect. Can they want to yeah. be resourceful. They want to be providing. Yeah, everyone's unique and everyone's in a different part of their journey. Because so maybe some men want love and connection. Yes, yes. So I'm happy to provide these audios as well. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, Linda, for being here today. This has been really interesting. Where can people find you? I have a website, which is lindamoana.com, L-I-N-D-A-M-O-A-N-A.com. And what is your Instagram and Facebook? Oh, my Instagram is love underscore Linda Moana. Facebook is Linda Moana, but I'm, I have to admit I'm not very active on it. I'm also on LinkedIn, which is Linda Moana. Yeah, these are the ways. Great. Do you have any upcoming workshops or regular things that's going on that people should be aware of if they want to get in touch with you? Yes, I'm um, planning to hold my play shops again. I'm, I, I do two different types of play shops. One is with the Jade Egg, and I have another play shop, which is The Power of Being Soft, so it's really being able to getting in touch and embodying more of our feminine energy so that we're more balanced. Uh, I also have dis- free discovery calls for people who are interested in coaching and the co- coaching, uh, one-on-one coaching. And lastly, was there anything that I missed or that you would like to add a final note to that will be inspiring to our audience? I just want to say that, you know, we're all on different parts of our journey. Everyone's different and unique. But really, I believe that sexuality is so common among all of us. I mean, that's, it's, it's really our life and our birthright. And it's really the key to so much that we want in life. That's beautiful. Thank you so much again, Linda. Thank you, Donna. It was so much my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. I am so grateful for this conversation with Linda. 
because she shared some amazing tools to help us nurture our sexuality, to feel alive, free, powerful, and aligned with our truth. Linda and I would love to hear from you. What is the single biggest insight that you are taking away from this conversation? And how can you put this into action right now in your life? The best conversations happen after the episode over at interested.blog or my Interested Podcast Facebook page. So go on over there to access the show notes and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or Spotify. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. 